This is Capitalize Your Finances, the show representing you, a select group of excited, ready, and fired up listeners seeking to potentially maximize your money moves and get after it. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek the logical way of likely creating advantages to potentially maximize wealth for our personal and unique situations. This show brings you the step-by-step framework to capitalize your finances in the aspects of your financial situation. And we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are Capitalizers, and this is our show. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Finances. As always, I'm your host, Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap in Capitalize. And today, we have a very special guest, the Kristen Butler, who is the founder of Power of Positivity, a movement with 50 million followers and counting, two-time author of the bestseller, Three-Minute Positivity Journal, and her recent book, which we're going to dive into momentarily, The Comfort Zone. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. And we have been so excited, and, and I'm I'm elated to get into the comfort zone. Um, for those of you that are listening, if you've not bought the comfort zone, what are you doing? You need to go on Amazon and buy it right now. But before we dive into the book, I want to have a conversation around you and your personal journey um, that led you to writing this book. Because your story, it's extremely incredible, but it's also simplistically relatable, which I... I I admire, and I wanted to give people an insight into how you view things, because it is very unique. So could you please enlighten our capitalizers at home on the lovely lady behind the brand that in, that got you inspired to the point where God called you to write The Comfort Zone? A decade and a half ago, I was at rock bottom and I had burnt myself out continually, always pushing myself, stepping out, really living outside of my comfort zone, chasing success. I would find um, amazing success. In fact, at the time back then, I was an eBay power seller, which was kind of like Amazon now. It was hot back then. And so... I just continue to push myself to my limits and that final bout of burnout really put me in bed for two weeks straight and in that place I thought there has to be a better way. I have this inside of my heart. I know that I'm here for more. I want success. I want more for myself. There has to be a better way and you know in being in bed for that long you are really thinking very deeply, but then you're also connecting spiritually as you allow yourself. And from that place, it was simple. It was like, what can I do for myself to fill my own cup to feel better? How can I have fun? What do I personally need? You know, at that time, God wanted me to take care of myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was taking care of my business and my family. And from that place, I realized I'm going to stop stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm going to prioritize comfort, prioritize safety, things that feel good. And I'm not going to feel shame around it. And I'm going to expand from that place. So that's where the book came from. It took a few years till I actually thought of the idea for the book. I felt a lot of shame from living in this way. But as I started finding success, I'm like, more people need to know about this, that there's a better way. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to ask, and I ask every author. So you said it took you a couple of years to write or to, to get to the point where you're writing the book. How long did it actually take you from the start you put the pen to paper to publishing? You know, nine years, I think it was about nine years ago, I did a writer's workshop and Wayne Dyer was um, leading it. And he was like, your story is your book. And I was like, wow, I don't know about that. This is a pretty <laughs> shameful story. I just want to tell him about the good stuff. I don't want to tell him about, you know, the process. Sure. And I started then. That's when I was like, what would be my story? And, you know, what would I share with people? And so the comfort zone started evolving from that place. And um, really, I saw the perspective of positivity and the power of positivity. And so that's when I started my brand. But that was 14 years ago. So it was really after the brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's it's interesting listening to how long it takes people to write books. Because I've heard people... I mean, you see, you hear about the popular authors who knock out like one every three months, which I, I have no idea how that works. And then one of our guests we had on, uh, William Green, wrote Richer, Wiser, Happier. And he did essentially nothing else for five years and hours a day. And it's it's just fascinating to see the the variance. And it sounds like you enjoyed writing your book, too. He did, He admittedly did not. He said it consumed him. <laughs> Um, which I think is really, really sad. Now, you, you know, you, you mentioned your discomfort and uh, obviously we're not going to dive into the specifics because again, people buy the book, but you went through these stages of discomfort before you achieved this level of success in the comfort zone. And I've personally gone back and forth on this idea of uh, educating those that follow me on everything that like I preach, but at the same time, you, you've got to go through those brutal days to appreciate the comfort zone that you have. And because uh, I truly believe that we wouldn't be able to have the lives we have if we didn't have that. And so from your journey, and you mentioned the eBay power seller, which is like such a throwback of a term now. And you were kind of the first social media influencer and, and coach, if you will. And, and you've started and successfully created power positivity. My question is this knowing what you know now in looking back on your journey, what could you have done to have sped up the life of living in your comfort zone, if anything? So a decade and a half ago or in my entire life in general? Let's go with a decade and a half ago, just because that's a shorter time span. (laughs) Mm. I think trusting the process more. I've, over the years, I continue to trust even more, mm-hmm. but the more you trust and and truly let go, the better things can get. And yeah. it's a careful balance, right? Because I'm a planner. I love making sure I have everything planned and everything. I'm like, okay, I've got the plan. It's going to work, right? Yep. But the older I get, I'm like, I plan a little less and trust more and it gives you a break allows you to do the things that you need to do for yourself and gets rid of all that overthinking and then actually can make it turn out better than you expected. So I, I think trusting the process more would definitely be something I could have done better to stay more in my comfort zone then. Sure. Well, and I feel like we could all do that a little bit more even today. And it's it's something that sounds super simple, but it is 
far from easy. And, you know, you mentioned um, when we first, when I read the book and then when we first connected, uh, you mentioned your struggle with uh, weight and, and gain and loss. And I have the same thing with my Crohn's disease. And, you know, even though I am not about making excuses with my disease or just excuses ever, the fact of the matter, sometimes I just have to listen to my body. Um, and there are times, however, where like my Crohn's has flared up mildly and it's solely due to like me overthinking things. And so I immediately try to tap into my mind, but I attack what is, what is going on in my mind. And, you know, this has had a, a profound impact on me in my fitness and finance. But for you, autoimmune aside, when did you realize that this similar strategy in controlling your inner self uh, and financially, did you see the return on investment parallel your improved health or was it delayed? I think as I changed my mindset in every area, it just, it, it was maybe with a slight delay, but I think life has that bit of slight delay, which I'm really grateful for, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, you've changed your thoughts and then you have to stay patient to seeing the results come. Just like when you work out for one day, you got to work out for a few weeks till you really see and feel the progress. I think it took a delay, but as it started compounding, it was like, wow, this really works. I have to change my belief systems around money. I have to make it feel good in every area, how I spend it, how I give it, how I earn it. And it's not going to be an overnight thing, but over time, it's going to get better and better. And if it doesn't, there's another fix that needs to happen or a, a tweak that you might have gone off course and you need to kind of do an autocorrect or revisit how you were feeling before about something. So I, I just think it's almost a magical thing that when you change your thinking that your life starts to change because no amount of effort can do what a mindset um, fix can do. That. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, kind of what she said at the end, cause that would have been a great way to wrap it up, but like, oh, you know, okay. for, you know, we'll, we'll just say it again at the end right okay. now for you, you know, when you decided to go and I, I admire you and your husband, Chris, shout out to Chris. Great first name. Um, I admire you guys going all in on power of positivity. And not only do I admire it just from an entrepreneurship side of things, but it's, it's so abstract Right. It's not like, hey, I'm going to be I'm going to start, um, you know, a financial planning firm or an accountant firm or a medical practice or whatever the case is. It's, it, it, it was something where you went all in, but you really had no other than your faith, which I think will carry you a, a long ways. There was no necessary direction per se. And so for me, I wanted to ask you. Was it an extremely calculated process for you and your husband to grow power positivity? Or was it indeed that we're going to jump from the plane and build the parachute on the way down? At the time, my husband was laid off and he was doing freelance work with me. Okay. He was a machinist and I was doing, um, you know, websites, social media, marketing. And I, I said, hey, Go to school part-time and work alongside me and we can do this. And I was helping other clients with their social media pages. And then when Facebook came out with pages, I was like, I'm going to make something 
for me, that's not about work, mm-hmm. you know, because at that time I was keep trying to keep that work-life balance. And that's when I created Power of Positivity. And it wasn't like a business per se at first. While I had that business mind, because I always, like an entrepreneur, I just always have that. I grab the domain name. I'm like, yes, I can have this, right? Nobody else owns this. You know, I started the page. It really was just about helping other people and then also keeping myself accountable to what I knew was working for us. And so there was no kind of like plan. It took four years for us to actually start monetizing it. And again, even that was a kind friend that said, hey, you know, you can monetize your website. And we were like, oh, you can? You know, we didn't even realize it was that like elusive to us. We were just really about like, building and growing and helping people and spreading that message. Because to me, I knew so many people suffering that had such a negative mindset. And it was like, if they only knew that they could change their circumstances by just changing the way that they felt about themselves and others and the world, could you imagine like how much happier we could all be, you know? Um, And then after that four years, yeah, it started to grow and there was choices that we made that kind of felt like, you know, um, putting that parachute on, right? Like you mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, of course, being an entrepreneur feels like that sometimes. And that's where the trust comes in, where you have to literally say, hey, this is going to work out. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust this. And that's the fun part of it. Like the unknown is the fun part to me. Well, and speaking of the unknown and turning the corner, you must have read my mind because after years of growing Power of Positivity, do you remember when Chris and you both turned the corner financially and once there was that first profitable moment, what was your process at that point? Like, did you reinvest back into the business? Did you take distributions and begin investing? Did you maybe go on a a, a, a rager, right? As a celebratory weekend. I highly doubt it's that last one. Um, but I, I, uh, I, I'm very curious what you did. Let me think about that. So as we started to make money on the business, we definitely started saving because initially a few years before that we were at bankruptcy and we were terrible savers, right? And so we were like, okay, let's make sure we get a thousand in our bank account for, you know, emergencies. We had had a house at the time. It was only a $500 mortgage. It was an 800 square foot house, but hey, we were like, we have these things and so let's start saving. And so saving became like our first thing and we would celebrate it. We would be like, hey, we have a thousand. Hey, we have 2000. Hey, we have 3000. We would celebrate. And I think that joy is what, you know, brought more of it and brought us the ability to save more. Mm -hmm. And what the plan that I had at first was just As we make more, then we can let go of clients and start relying on ourselves and making this a full-time thing because this is so fun. I want to make this my full-time gig. Mm -hmm. And so that was the goal. Like, How much can we save so that we can say goodbye to clients and just do this thing together? And so I I like to build bridges first before I just kind of jump into something, (laughs) right? The safe way that feels good is still risk, of course, but it's like... Um, that's how we did it. And so I think it took a few years before we just went on a vacation, right? You know, I think we went on a cruise and we were very proud of that. I just think 
in general, it was like, let's save, then let's make sure that we can um, just do this, right? Then eventually we got an assistant. She was in the Philippines, but she's been amazing. She still works with us. Um, and that's been, I think, nine, I don't know, the number nine some wow. years, which has been amazing. Yeah. So it was just... I just intuitively took the next step that felt right for the business. Sometimes that was reinvesting in the website. Sometimes it was hiring someone new if I wanted to do something different and we needed help to grow. Um, to answer your question, I hope that answered your question. It totally right? does. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I loved, I, I loved how, so I, I can tell you and our listeners know this, Right. I mean, our business has, has turned the corner and that happened a couple of years ago. But I remember starting out very similar to you where I mean, I, I was not in bankruptcy, but like we were very close to not making it. And isn't it interesting how as you go through life, you still subconsciously have that feeling of the the days when you were paying a 500 uh, a month mortgage and barely making it. I, I don't think that ever goes away, but I also love what you said on celebrating all of the wins because frankly if 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 i didn't do that i wouldn't have been here there's no way um even if you don't make any money it's like oh my gosh they're they're booking another meeting with me and people go but they didn't pay you anything i go no no no. but that's the excitement right like eventually it'll happen and then you're at this point now where um i was i was talking to my wife about it i was like i don't think Kristen, i can picture her ragingly mad ever because you're always radiating with sunshine but it's probably because of way back in the day you and chris celebrated all those wins and so now you're in this like just uber euphoria of life so i i I admire it now before we dive into the book i have one more question for you once you and hubby chris knew you were at the point where you weren't going backwards financially but you wanted to make sure you continuously marched forward in a prudent manner, what were some of the financial strategies you implemented to capitalize on your finances? Improving your financial state is really about improving your mental state. So up-leveling my affirmations that I was saying. And that is really key for me. When I go into something, even the course that we're creating soon, I think about money in a positive way and how it's going to feel, how I'm going to be able to help people, how I'm going to be able to grow, what I'm going to be able to expand on, who I'm going to be able to hire. Every step that I've taken, I first mentally go there before I ever physically go there. And I think that that is so important um, to do and experience less risk, I think, if that helps. It's like you have to go there and plan it, but plan the feeling of it, not just all the numbers. See, I think maybe you're more of a numbers person, my husband is, and I'm more of just like a feeling, intuitive, you know, up, this is going to work out type of trust person. Yeah. I guess you could be both, but um, he'll do the numbers and I'll just do like the feeling of it, like, okay, and that's how I, I go there in my head first and then the feeling of it. And then I allow it to happen, if that makes sense. It, it does. And actually, this I've never heard of that. And I'm actually very intrigued. So when you say you plan the feeling, do you mean um, you get to the, you, you know, you have a vision and you say, okay, once I'm in the thick of this, how am I going to feel? Like, is, is it that type of 
I've, yeah. I've just never heard that. I'm and if I don't feel ready. So for example, we built our home that we're in, but it took me many years of first just looking at real estate before I even moved to Asheville and we were in Greensburg. I was just looking at houses. What kind of house would I want to live in? How would I want the bathroom to look? What would I want the living room to look? How does um, the amount of that house feel to me? And so if it didn't feel good, then I knew I had a money problem because it has to feel right. And we thought we would never build because we had heard all the kinds of negative things around building, how stressful it is, how most people divorce, right? But we ended up building and we didn't have any of the problems that people talked about. I'm sure it wasn't a perfect situation as life isn't sometimes, but I felt the feeling of it and it felt like the next right choice, but I spent years looking at houses. In fact, I even went to um, shows of, with homes that I could never afford financially according to my bank account, but a real estate agent took me to the house and I would walk around and say like, what is, what triggers me? And I would work around that. Like, and so I literally let all the negative feelings around money, the walls down by just working on myself, finding the triggers and, and tweaking those. And so I was able to build my dream home that I um, thought about when I was 19 years old, just simply by letting go of all the things and the thoughts and the feelings that didn't serve me around because... God wants us to be abundant and to honor our money. If we're working hard for it and we love what we're doing, there's no guilt there. It's like we're meant to live abundant lives. And so there was a lot of negative feelings I had around like so many things. And I'd be like, wow, why do I feel like that? And I'd work on it. I'd journal about it. And I'd say, well, how do I want to feel about it? And then I'd work on that. Yeah, that is that just blew my brains out. I, I will tell you, you know, eventually we're going to catch up some more because I need to pick your brain on more of that because uh, I think there's power in thinking about what the feeling is going to be once you get there. I'm horrible at that. I just kind of let it go and then it's the flight fighter freeze mode and I'm always a fighter. And so, you know, you just kind of run through life, but I need to stop and think about how I'm going to feel uh, before I get into these, these situations. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I think it's time that we dive into the comfort zone. Okay. Now, early in the book, okay, you mentioned, I'm going to read it verbatim. I want to discover how to cultivate a relationship with your authentic self and harness the power of who you are right where you are. I want you to stop following everyone else's advice or roadmap to success and create your own authentic blueprint for the life you really want. After all, you know yourself best, right? End quote. Now, in the world of investing, in fact, our marketing team and I, I was enlightening them on this before we got on the call. Uh, there is a quirky yet extremely valuable line item called goodwill. And it's one of those things that is almost nearly impossible to quantify, but we know it's the most valuable thing or arguably the most valuable thing in investing. Now, for your personal financial success, can you remember the moment when you truly committed to your authentic self? And once you did that, how long did it take after your commitment of your personal goodwill 
to transition that that qualifiable feeling into financial gain. I know we asked that a little earlier, but I didn't ask about, do you remember the specific moment of when you committed to your authentic self? Authentic self in the sense of growing financially? We could do that. Sure. Is that what you mean? Or what do yeah. you mean? Just in the moment in general? In the moment in general, because I think it leads to the financial side of things. Uh, it all works together. I think two moments specifically. I mean, when I created Power of Positivity, that really felt like I was connecting with my authentic self and my mission and why I'm here. And then even when I created Positive Kristen, the handle, and my husband was like, you know, you're not always going to feel positive. Is that okay that you have that handle? And I'm like, no, I'm committing to this version of myself that I want to hold true for myself. This is like the higher version of me, my true core being. And so that's authentically who I am. Doesn't mean that I'm always happy and positive, but I, but it keeps me accountable for being that person. Right. And when I, when I have difficult moments or feelings of grief or sadness or pain, I can know that I'm going to work through that and be positive, Kristen. And, and I can do that in a positive way and work through my feelings in that way. So that's like really me harnessing who I truly am and by embodying that person every year by being a better version of positive, Kristen. That's authentically being me, who I am and why I'm here. Yeah. It keeps resonating with me when, when you said you think about the feeling. That that could be the, the one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten all year. Think about the feeling you will have once you get to that moment. Um, now, you mentioned also, I'm going to read another quote. And by the way, I'm not going to read your book verbatim. I could read it verbatim because I've read it twice and it's, it's phenomenal, but um, <laughs> the quote, okay. So after you form a belief, your brain starts to build stories, rationalizations, and explanations around that belief, end quote. Now you go on to talk about your beliefs, uh, in, in what you believe determines, excuse me, your reality and not the other way around. And those beliefs are our brain's ways of, of making sense. And in explaining the world around us. Now, in 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 our world, okay, of capitalizing one's finances, we could call that confirmation bias, okay? Which there's both good and bad with that. At times, right, it can be great, other times detrimental, unless you can accept that you were initially wrong. And there's vulnerability there. So my question to you is, uh, when you have... When have you committed your belief? You took a deep dive, realized that your initial belief may have been incorrect. And what did you do to steer that metaphorical ship correctly? And again, that could be personal. That could be business. Could be finance, but if that's too embarrassing, you don't have to talk about it. Um, but whatever floats your boat on that, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I'm always upgrading my belief systems. I'm always, when something triggers me or I find like I have a negative belief or feeling, I'm like, okay, that doesn't mean that it's true for me. I can make it, tr however I want to make it can be true for me. And knowing that gives me power in my life and over my feelings, right? So for example, financially, I grew up in an environment where, you know, money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, most people didn't save money. Um, 
only greedy people have money, you know, you know, there's just so many negative belief systems around money and saving and having nice things. Um, and so, you know, driving a nice car, all the things, all the belief systems that most people who are poor have, unfortunately, it's really their belief systems that hold them there because when they can change that, then their actions will change because your actions are always going to match your belief systems. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean, that's why you struggle because you kind of cancel it out, right? You might take action, but then you'll go backwards. Right. So I change so many belief systems around money through, it's actually kind of funny because it was a song on YouTube, like, I am a magnet to money. I'm not like a singer or anything like that. That's okay. And no, and you dance around. And so like, you know, I did that. And and so it was like, and it changed, and along with affirmations and and things like that. But when you can change that belief system, then when you take action, you're able to save, you're able to invest, you're able to have a nicer car or a, a nicer home because your actions will be in alignment with your beliefs and you can continually expand and grow from that place, right? Right, right. No, I I, I love that. Well, in, in um, as I was reading your book, I, I, I tried to envision... Because living in your comfort zone, because we live in a world where that's not normal. People say, you got to step out of your comfort zone and attack the world, right? Or whatever the case is. And so um, one of the common objections that I thought could happen, okay? I'm not saying this because I'm a nice person, okay? Uh, Is living in the comfort zone is staying in your comfort zone is the easy way out, right? I'm sure you've heard that. And, um, you know, in in the world of like, capitalizing one's finances i'm baffled when people say stuff like that um because what they're doing is saying okay i'm going to ignore the easy wins in front of my face and i'm going to choose to make my life very difficult in a living hell and so in your view what would be some of the most optimal ways to get people to accept that sometimes the easiest way is in fact the best way Letting go of the fact that things have to be hard and and just seeing the perspective of they can be easy or finding a way to make it easier. Um, thinking of it, what the long-term gain is going to be versus the short-term gain. Even, for example, your finances, saving and investing in your future or your children, having these reasons to make it feel easier Um just gives you a break in that moment. Literally changing that belief system will change the reality of it, I think, personally. Now, when you're talking about it, you're saying that people want to choose the hard way versus the easy way. Are you talking about short-term you know, gain versus long-term gain, like is financially, or what do you mean? Yeah, and that could be part of it. I um, You know, it's one of those things... And I've actually worked really hard at this because I used to ask questions to kind of lead to the pyramid of the answer that I'm wanting and desiring. And the beauty with podcasting is, as you know, we don't know where this is going to go. And so if it is short term versus long term, that's one option. Um, I've thought about it uh, personally, too, you know, like in health and fitness. Some people do some crazy diets and 
you don't really need to have that craziness. Um, and even in relationships, I mean, I'll, I'll be vulnerable on that. Sometimes I overthink on how to be, whether it is a, a better husband or a better father or brother, um, especially sometimes in, in that regard, because uh, I know my brother looks up to me a lot. And so for me, I've always got to remind myself to just go through the simple steps. And sometimes those simple steps are more than anyone will ever begin to dream of. So I really didn't have any uh, thought in mind. Yeah. When I'm thinking of easy way out, I'm not thinking of quick fixes or referring to quick fixes. I'm thinking about making it feel easier. For example, if you're Mm. going for a run like this morning, we live in the mountains. And so my husband and I went for a mile. and, um, And so I have to think about each next step, not the whole thing. And so I have to think about it the easy way of it versus Mm. like the whole thing. So making things, breaking them down and making them feel easier allows you to live with less stress. It doesn't mean you're not doing hard things. You're just not making it feel so hard because if you make it feel really hard or difficult or long, you're not going to keep it up and you're not going to do it. When you think of the the easy way out to me is taking care of my body every day so that I eventually, so I don't burn out or I don't get obese again or get a health problem. Like to me, the easy way is taking care of myself every day and keeping up, right? Yeah. You have to make it. The hard thing would be like giving up or just doing whatever I want and then living with the consequences. I guess it's a mindset thing of what you see as easy and hard. And if you can make it feel easier, then you're going to continue to do it. Capitalizers, this episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. Regardless of where you're at in your financial life, whether you're just beginning to express interest and commitment to your personal finances, at the pinnacle of your career, winding down into retirement, or thinking about your legacy for future generations, this book walks you through every step of the way so you can succeed on your terms and with your own values and passions guiding you. After reading this book, you will officially have Christopher A. Paniotu, the cap in capitalized, in your back pocket, guiding you in detail through every step of the way so that you can take charge of your finances, not the other way around. Head on over to Amazon.com today and start capitalizing your finances to the fullest with this incredible book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to financial framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. And now, back to the episode. Yes. Okay. Yes. I And I, I totally agree with that. And then side note, for those of you that do not follow Kristen on uh, Instagram, her home is absolutely beautiful. I That is my dream home as well. So um, I can tell you it's not just your dream, Kristen. Now, you, you mentioned um, that eventually, as you went through and, and were discovering your, your, you were improving your self, uh, self-esteem and self-trust in your comfort zone, you got to a point where there was a weight lifted from you when you started asking yourself, what do I feel like doing today? And it's, it's interesting. One of the guests that we have coming on, um, in, in a couple of weeks, his name's Gautam, uh, Bade financially, he talks about the four stages of wealth. 
Now yours is just overall in life. Like what could I do today? I was like, whoa, that is like such a power play, which I think is great. And, you know, this is referring more to the personal side of things, but I'm, I'm curious from your take. So like professionally and financially speaking, do you remember the moment where you could allow yourself to ask that question? And how has that positively impacted your business, your brand, and most importantly, your overall sense of fulfillment? Prioritizing things that make you feel good and bring you joy are so important. And I'm talking about truly not just, you know, going out and partying and drinking. When I'm talking about this, I'm talking about (laughs) healthy ways to have fun, you know. And when I mention that in the book, I'm talking about, hey, do I want to go out on a long hike today? Do I want to go to the gym? Do I want to... um, You know, I don't know. I think that just making sure you open up space to enjoy the day, enjoy the journey, enjoy the life. Sure, you're working, but what kind of work is going to bring you joy that day? You know, like sometimes I'll prioritize other things because I enjoy doing them, right? And so it's like just not being so rigid. I think I was so rigid before and then I wasn't finding any joy or fun in what I was doing. And so when I make what I'm doing fun, even if it's work, even if it's taking care of the kids, even if it's working out, even if it's, you know, any of the responsibilities around the home or whatever that you have to do, just asking yourself questions to make it enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I absolutely love it. And it I can I can tell you as I started to get to know more about you, um being a fellow entrepreneur, it is so amazing to see the genuine thoughts that you have because I know and I didn't know you obviously when you're bankrupt and in figuring clawing your way out of that. Um but that joy and that happiness in that ability to earn the freedom to ask yourself that question um Mm. you've you've earned every bit of it and it's it's a it's pretty cool because you see a lot of influencers online that say a lot of what you say but then um and through podcasting you know you get to know people uh behind the camera and you're the exact same which is what i love but when you when you put the camera away and you hear these influencers that are saying what mrs kristen is saying but you know it's all kind of a facade. It's really disappointing. So I'm just going to tell you, I really appreciate your genuineness in that whole thought process. Yes, thank you. Uh, now, I, when when you ask yourself what you want to do, for example, if financially it wouldn't be best for you to go out to dinner, figure out how, maybe go out for a walk, do something that fits your budget. Like asking yourself things that just fit your means still, or at least fit your lifestyle, right? Of course. Of course. Of course. And I will say the exception of that, when I eventually make it out to North Carolina, we are going for a North Carolina barbecue. And so we will be going out to dinner. Okay. Now, you know, one of the quotes that positively hit me really, really hard was life is much sweeter and safer when we evict inhabitants who disrupt our peace and instead invite in people, habits, thoughts, beliefs, and ideas that provide us with love and support. 
Now, I feel like if you Googled that entire sentence, it would just be like someone giving someone else a hug. Like, it's just such a warm and fuzzy quote. And sometimes I think this realization uh, for me, your book was really humbling for me. It, it, that that quote and that realization for me was long overdue. And, um, you know, I also have friends in my life that are, shall we say, more vintage, which is politically correct term for being older than me. And... They remind me that I'm still a younger guy, but on a serious note, it's it's a critical piece of value stated, and it's and again, it's very simple, but it is not easy to execute. And so professionally, financially, personally, whatever floats your boat, Kristen, would you say that you've evicted these inhabitants, and out of the three areas of your life, professionally, financially, and personally, which one still has those pesky inhabitant lingerers? That's a great question, Chris. I do on a regular basis kind of invict those inhabitants. And sometimes that can even be, you know, clutter on a desk or, um, you know, negative belief systems about myself that somehow got in that I even may have adopted through somebody I'm spending um, time with that feels that way. I, I feel like I'm always kind of checking in with myself about how I feel about myself, other people, and what I'm doing. I would say that the most difficult was probably family, and I didn't need to really evict per se. Let's say um, in my 20s, I tried things like that, and it's not healthy. Setting healthy boundaries is actually better, Make you know. I think God wants us to be united and for our peace of mind, it's important to have boundaries about how much um, time is spent or what you're doing, you know, how you're interacting and having these check-ins in all of these areas is really important, maybe even seasonally because we can take on beliefs or thoughts or people and we don't even realize that aren't helping us. And so I say I do that regularly in all areas. And the one I have to keep in check is definitely probably family. Yeah. Oh yeah. And by seasonal relationships. Yeah. I'm assuming you're talking like once a quarter. Now, if you're trying to get out of that, this is the political strategic way to get around that. You could say, Hey, I'm going to meet with you seasonally like every Olympic cycle. So then you only have to see them every four years. So it's just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. If they're just gnawing at you, but you, you, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit. So there are four types of care that you uh, uh, write about. There's the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And I wanted to hone in on the mental side regarding business and in personal finance. And so very similar to you, um, I am, overly competitive and I'm always striving to take it to that next level. What I struggle with mightily being vulnerable here is turning it off really bad at that. Now, part of this is ingrained in me when I started my business, hardly any money. However, despite the fact that my family and I are are beyond that, the initial feeling still remains strongly ingrained in my mind. Like we were talking about earlier, And it's much easier said than done, but from your experience, would you say you have mastered or have attempted to master the art of professional and personal financial balance? 
Yeah. What struck me is when you said competitive and I used to feel like that too. And it was like a comparison game where I never felt enough or I was never going to catch up. Right. Cause especially with social media, oh. there's always going to be somebody with more numbers or, you know, younger or whatever it is that they may have that you, um, are attracted to. So it's, what I like to do, though, is see them as compellers instead of competitors. And when you see them as a compeller, it's from an inspirational standpoint. And there's not envy or um, the, the negativity that may come from competition because you are inspired by what they're doing and you know that they're raising a bar and they're, they're setting they're setting the bar to what you could achieve one day or where you could be. And so it, it's a different, it's a small mindset shift, but it feels so much better because then the comparison game is like gone. And also you don't have to worry about, okay, well, I'm not there yet. You're just like, hey, thank you. You're setting the bar. That's really cool. Like I could do that one day, right? Yeah. And it's showing what's possible. And I love to see, um, what's possible. Cause then I know like, Hey, I could do that too. And that could be possible for me or even something beyond who knows. Right. Sure. Well, and I'm, and for those that are listening on Spotify and Apple and they're not watching the YouTube, I am grinning just like a goober from that compellers versus competitors. So you're two for two. Think about the feeling you're going to have in compellers versus competitors like that that is ringing so loud because i think also as guys right testosterone gets elevated the competitive side like it's almost the primal and that right there probably saved me at least a decade of struggle so i appreciate that now there's another quote shocker that i loved in this book if you deliberately furnish a room based on your specific preferences you will enjoy that room much more than if you furnish it with random items that you find on the street. So this may be a bit abstract of a thought I, I had when I read this, but I could not help but ask, since your career is so incredibly unique, what do your furnishings look like around your professional atmosphere to be your most optimal self within your comfort zone? During the pandemic, uh, we had a shared office, my husband and I, and there was kind of more masculine tones. I was trying to keep it neutral, right? And I was like, I'm in this office more. Uh, I'm taking it over and I'm going to redo it, right? And so because I did, I felt good in it, but I wanted to feel better, right? We were spending so much time at home. And so a friend of mine um, that helped with the house, I said, hey, let's, let's, make this office feel like me and like a part of me so that I'm in here spending all this time and I can feel even more creative. And so, um, you know, I love the color blue, like cobalt blue. So we brought blue in here. We put plants, you know, some gold, pinks. And so I really took time with everything that I put in to feel good and feel like myself so that my environment was me. And, you know, even... A decade and a half ago when I couldn't necessarily do something like that, right? Um, you can still optimize your environment in a way that is more you. And so 
that statement was like, don't just take everything people are giving you just because, just to have it, right? Unless you need it if you're starting out. But if you can intentionally clean your space, clear your space, decorate your space, do that and change it if you need to change it quarterly or yearly or whatever it is, you know, to feel good, to feel optimal, to feel creative, because it's so important, again, with how you feel in your space, because it's like the outer reflection of you inwardly. And so I was able to write the comfort zone the last few years in my new office. And it just made me feel so good because it was the colors that I love and the furnishings that I love and the plants that I love. And, um, and even my desk, I could have got a new one, but I repainted, um, this buffet. It kind of looks like a desk from my grandma. I love my grandma so much. And she had passed and I brought that in here painted it so it looked kind of new, right? And just made it feel like me and, you know, there's just different elements that feel like me. So in small ways, you can do that for yourself so that you have that optimal environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I read that quote, it's interesting because we had just uh, moved offices and we're building it all out. And you sound like you had much more of a joyous time with your office development than mine i would rather gouge my eyes out than move ever again but your that quote was actually the icing on the cake um because we had another guest on who was asking me do you have a place to go to profoundly think Mm. and i was like what like well yeah my office and he goes no deeper and and then he goes let me ask you a different thing what do people pay you to do and I said, capitalize your, their finances. He goes, no, like, don't give me the marketing crap. Like, what do they actually pay? To, and he drilled down so hard to the point where he said, I got to this point thinking, wow, people pay me to profoundly think about their money. And so we actually have a thinking room at the new office. And it's only for me. And I go there to unequivocally and profoundly think. Now, the difference is, now that it's all built out, I'm going to die with that room being the exact same. Because anytime I change anything, like I'm just, I'm so artistically challenged. So if we ever do alter anything, I am personally flying you out here. And I'm going to tell you, Kristen, do all of this, whatever you need to do, because it's just, it's, it's so overwhelming. Like, were you overwhelmed when, I don't mean go to off topic, but were you overwhelmed when you built out like your office or were you just like, like you are now, just like, oh my no, God. No, I just was so, I, I was so happy about every, and you know, and, and during COVID, there was some things that took like months to get here, but oh I was just gosh, so excited no. with every single piece. I was like, okay, this is coming together. This is coming together. Um, yeah, I think everyone's personality is different, but even let's say that you aren't crazy about decorating, you just rather have it done. Just think about the colors that make you feel good or, you know, if you like nature bringing in stone or, you know, or whatever it is for you, how the furniture feels. And if it doesn't matter, then hey, let whoever knows you best help you. And that yes. sounds like what that's what you did. Oh, that's 100%. Uh, shout out to Betty, my amazing teammate and assistant. And shout out to my brother, Tyler, because he knows, like, and he's going to listen to this because he runs our, our, our social media. And he's going to be dying laughing. He's going to go, oh my God, if you put a gun to Chris's head saying, you've got to go design the office, we would have no Chris. Like, it's game over. So now... I want to I, I want to transition a little bit because I you know I could go off topic. Um, 
you wrote something, the ultimate test in life is not building a life that you can enjoy, but rather learning to enjoy the life that you have. That cut really deep for me. Uh, as, as I can say with confidence that I sometimes struggle with this massively. Um, as you know, entrepreneurship is grueling. I think we've established that. But if it pays off, it can be incredibly rewarding. And being someone that is obsessive with putting his money where his mouth is, literally, because that's what I do alongside clients, I'm, I'm always making sure that my family is prudently positioned for success. And I'm constantly building what uh, good old Warren Buffett calls the financial fortress of the Ponyo 2 powerhouse. Now, this can also get in the way because I lose sight of being caught up in the next investment or whether it be investing or building a business or something personal um, or even being an entrepreneur, how have you managed to master this balancing act and what advice could you give me in Capitalizers? I love that you are always looking for the next opportunity and ways to expand because that's innately like why we're here. We're meant for more experiences and to keep growing and expanding. So you're doing your job and your job relies on that. So that's a great thing, you know. And so having that forward mindset and that growth mindset is optimal really, but also being grateful for the wins that you're achieving right now and even the things that you've done in the past. As long as you're not feeling, you know, um, regret or not focusing on some of the little things in the in the present moment today, I think you're fine. I think oftentimes people aren't focused on the present moment. They're too in the future or they're too in the past. And this present moment is the only moment that we have. And so for me... In between meetings, I'll go play with my kids for 15 minutes or walk outside and just be very present to that moment, feeling grateful for what is working right now, knowing that by being happy with how things are right now and coming from that place and expanding, I'm going to be able to expand much easier and better than if I was trying to expand with a doubtful or stressful mindset like I need to grow. I need to get that. Or, you know, that all that negativity and resistance is going to keep you from it, right? Right. But if you can say like, wow, today is a good day and I'm excited for tomorrow, you know, knowing that that growth, you're not relying on that growth, but that's just the coolest next opportunity that's going to come. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am... I am so motivated right now. Like, I, I will tell you, like, if this show ended right now, I would walk outside and I would just obnoxiously start screaming in positivity. <laughs> I would, the cops would probably come, but, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to move on from that, right? Now, you, you actually had a quote that hit me uh, in a great way. And, and this is one that I've thought of for years. Gratitude is attitude. Uh, or gratitude is an attitude, excuse me. And again, I agree a thousand percent. That saved both of us massively. You talked about this earlier in the show, how, you know, when you and husband Chris got a thousand dollars in savings or whatever that checkpoint was, you celebrated it. I can tell you I have my techniques and I still use them today, but I'm curious, what are your specific techniques to, you know, practice the gratitude as an attitude that, that both you 
and uh, your husband use today, but then also when you started Power Positivity and it started taking off? When I started a gratitude practice, you know, a decade and a half ago, well, at rock bottom, literally in that moment in my bed, it was like, okay, I'm just grateful I have this bed to sleep on and this roof over my head. And at the moment, I didn't realize I was starting a gratitude practice, right? It was just like, how can I get out of this bed? And that's like what was helping, right? And so that was just kind of probably intuitive, making those kind of steps. But when I intentionally started having a gratitude practice, it was because I heard that, hey, write down 10 things that you're grateful for, right? And so we started doing that in a notebook. And then I got this little gratitude box. It kind of looked like a tissue box, but you could put little notes in the top of it. And so we had that and you could write down, I think there was like 20 spaces. And so every day we would write that down and it was kind of like simple things, you know, like each other and eventually when we had our daughter and our dogs and our house, you know, just basic. Mm -hmm. But then over time, the list got shorter, but more specific. Like we were, the specificity is important. Like I am grateful for these beautiful clouds, you know, outside and the sunshine that feels so warm on my face or, you know. Uh, these legs that are helping me to run or walk and be able to keep up with my daughter, just being very specific and not just kind of random. And I think over the years, are for me at least, it's like when I wake up just, again, feeling grateful, truly feeling it, not just making it an itemized list that I have to do that's going to help me. Because then it's like you're creating resistance and it's like you're not really even enjoying yeah. the process, right? Yeah. And so it look, it's looked different than when I first started. But if you're not used to doing a gratitude practice, write down 10 things. Get started because you're changing. You know, science says you change the cells of your body mm-hmm. when you're doing that. You can sleep better at night. You know, you have better relationships. The science is all there. And I didn't know it then, but I look back and I say, wow, yeah, totally works to now where it's just, I'm savoring moments. Now that's what gratitude looks like for me. Like savoring that hug, savoring that meal, you know, praying and and feeling good about what's going into my body, knowing it's going to nourish me. Like it's just a very more deep way of feeling gratitude, but it took time for me to get there. And again, that's like, being in that present moment. And I think I spend time, so much time working that when I'm able to be present and feel that and savor that, I'm allowing myself to soak that in and know that life is good. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. That is so awesome. Well, and I, I even think back to, cause very similar to you, we go, 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 go. And when you have the ability to take the pause button or, 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 or rest. Um, I didn't even have this down. I'm just kind of curious. How emotional is that for you? How emotional is it to like savor that moment? Well, cause so, and, and maybe, you know, ex- ex- explain it a little. So, you know, you go so hard all the time and yes, I know how positive you are, but I know how much work that you put into that. 
and Chris and even your little girls, whether they know it or not, because they are a part of it. And even your dog. Now, you didn't mention your cat, which you read my book, so I, I know you, you did that out of the kindness of your heart. But we can throw your cat in there for now, reluctantly. But on a serious note, um, when you are able to, to take that pause, I can tell you for me, I, I, I'm really bad at this because I go, go, go. And if I've got crap going on in my life, I just work harder. It's just because it's my therapy, right? Like I just, I can unplug. It's like a video game. But then when you, when you kind of plug back into reality, for me, there are times and it's more, it's, it's mostly in my gym. I'll just let all the demons out. Sometimes I'll cry. Sometimes, you know, I'll just be laughing or just giggling or whatever the case is because I haven't been able to give myself that opportunity. So that's where I was asking, you know, for you, is it really emotional when you're able to get to that point? Because it is for me. Yeah, that could be like a guy thing, you know, where you're talking about, because my husband says that kind of stuff that you're saying, like he loves the punching bag and getting his feelings out in that way. For me, um, I don't really hold back emotion necessarily. Trying to think about it. It's like savoring those moments just feels nourishing and feels recharging for me and there's and to me it's just such good feelings being in the present moment I actually let my nervous system like fully like just reset you know and just hone in and I think it's yeah I never really thought about what you said about the emotional part. So I'll think more about that. <laughs> yeah. Te- text me later. Right. But just yeah. don't text me like I'm a nervous wreck. Cause I'm like, no. I, I, I can't help you. You know, now I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think when it's negative emotions like that, we were talking about when you're talking about emotional, it's like, that's where the movement, what you're talking about, like exercise, that's where the movement comes in because it's moving you through, it's moving through your body and out your body. Yes. And yeah, I used to hold on to emotions more, but now I literally like bring them on, accept them and then release them. It's a cool um, stat. Did you see in my book that Jill Bolt Taylor, she wrote my um, stroke of insight and she said that we really only have emotions only have 90 second life cycles. And if we hook back into that emotion, then we're giving life to it again. But if we decide to unhook from that emotion that we literally can unhook from that emotion. Like we have that 90 second interval. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. And I've tried it many times and I'm like, wow. Cause oftentimes we think like an emotion has to stick around for, you know, minutes and hours or whatever or a day, depending on what it is. But if we unhook from that emotion, it doesn't have to continue. Isn't that so cool? And likewise for positive emotions, we can keep them going. That is Okay. One, that's fascinating. And then two, this follow-up question is going to be a a humdinger of an interesting one. So one of the things you talk about in your book is it can be difficult when you're left alone with your thoughts. And I'm going to positively, of course, challenge this a bit. Now, this may be the nature of who I am or the business that we run, as, as well as like the show or writing my book or whatever, or books. But... As I've gotten older and more experienced, uh, financially more secure, I have actually found it easier to sit with my thoughts. And in fact, 
one of the common themes that I've seen with people that are what we call super investors in, in all these interviews is they are at their best when they sit with their thoughts, which is crazy. I, I, I know, but I, I guess my question is more of curiosity than anything, but do you find it more or less difficult to be with your thoughts today? And more importantly, why? I love being with my thoughts also. So I'm just like you, like I love solitude and I get so many like great ideas that I'm like, wow, I have so many ideas. I actually need to focus on the ones that I need to do and just write that down for later. Right. But in the book, when I wrote that, it's like so many people are numbing themselves to doing more, doing more, doing Mm. more and not taking time to sit with their thoughts because it's so difficult for them. Maybe they're holding on to so much and it's like a wave of overwhelm when they do and so if you can regularly sit with your thoughts and you're in a personal growth journey I think we all feel the same like hey my thoughts are cool I love my thoughts and sitting with my thoughts so I think it depends on where you are and it could be age it could be just where how much personal growth you've done but there are so many people of course that haven't done any personal growth and they are always with their thoughts and their negatives. So it's very uncomfortable for them. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Cause we're like, Hey, capitalize on those thoughts. Yes. Make them more positive. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's, it's interesting. And I, I'm of course in the moment, I'm totally blanking on when I heard this, but there was a quote that I heard, or it might've been a, a YouTube video. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The whole point was this guy who was speaking was describing if you can't sit with yourself for a day, who in their right mind is going to want to be with you? I'm like, whoa. Like, and then it's kind of scary, right? Because I thought to myself, and it's kind of comical because that's just how I get through life. But I'm like, man, if I sit here and after an hour, I'm like, this sucks. Then I'm going to feel bad for my wife, my teammate, right? Like everyone. And I, I remember trying that. And similar to you, I, I appreciated being with myself in my thoughts. And you ask people if they've ever done that. It's amazing how scared people are to do it. But very similar to your thought process, I wish more people would get involved with being with themselves. And, you know, you are very open to changing yourself. And, you know... It's the difference is it's on your terms and not the to mirror someone else's life in whether it's overall success, business, whatever. And you also mentioned that uh, when one is not intentional about who he or she wants to be, an auto default to being a current version of yourself overtakes you with fear, doubts, and limiting beliefs. Now, as we've gotten to know each other and each other's brands, um, you've been more than open with your personal struggles in your life, which I commend you for. But I was curious to this question in a business and financial context. Shocker, I know. Have there been any moments where you've gotten in your own way and defaulted to your current self in business and or finance that held you back? And if so, what were those moments and how did you hurdle these obstacles to keep on trucking? You know, it's only been recently that I have been doing more podcasts, speaking, and doing videos on social media. And so years before that, 
Um, I thought, hey, I'm just a writer. I don't want to be in front of the camera. I don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about the brand. Mm-hmm. And then when I um, I hired a Bob Proctor coach, so I did mm-hmm. a Bob Proctor course before he passed, which was amazing. And then I had a coach. She said, I don't think that's your personality, Kristen. I think there's limiting beliefs in there. I think you're holding yourself back. Actually, because I think the camera loves you. I think you need to love the camera. I think that you need to be more comfortable with this. And I was like, I don't know. I think I just like to write. I love writing. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so there were so many limiting beliefs that I had to work through. And a lot of them were from when I was a child. And I took on other people's belief systems about, you know, speaking, what, you know, what, People thought of what I said, getting in front of a camera, being on television. You know, I was just, you know, a few days ago, it's not been a week yet, was uh, on Great Day Washington live, you know, and just a few months ago, another coach that I had said, we have to know if you're going to be a deer in the headlights or if you're going to rock it. So, you know, we're going to get you this opportunity. And, you know, I rocked it and I'm so grateful for that because a few years ago, if you had told me that I would have been on a morning show, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, no, I don't think that's me. I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to be behind the scenes, behind the brand. And so that's just one example of I was holding myself back from who I used to be or who other people told me I was. And that really wasn't me. And when I let that go, look at all the opportunities that came. And sure, it was a few years of um, a process that it took, but it's now in my comfort zone. And I went on stage last month and spoke in front of hundreds of people. I've been doing the podcast. I've been on TV. I've done all kinds of um, interviews on local networks lately. And so I'm a completely different person just because I first changed my belief systems around that. And I was holding on to that old version of Kristen that was afraid to go in front of a camera. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you, you did rock it. And the one thing that I saw when you were on TV, it actually had nothing necessarily to do with the TV as much as it had to do with the little Instagram posts that your other half posted of... (gasps) him watching with your two girls and that I think I even texted you I thought man like that clip alone inspired me to become that equivalent to our little Abby girl so thank you for that inspiration you know yeah, now absolutely kids they just bring something out in you you're like I have to inspire them but then also create a legacy for them like what am I going to be handing down to them right yes. and how are they gonna see me Yes. Now, I hope I don't go on TV too soon because she's for almost five months and she wouldn't remember any of it. So, yeah. um, But it was. It was seriously inspirational. Now, unfortunately, it's my least favorite part of the show. Our time is winding down. We are coming to a close. And I say that sincerely. I could talk to you all day. You know that. Now, I wanted to start out our close with just a humdinger of a question here. And this was regarding fellow entrepreneurs and influencers that listen in. Professionally speaking, what would the current day Kristen tell the Kristen that was about to start Power of Positivity if you could give her the best pieces of advice possible? You could give three, but if you got one, that's more than enough. One, 
always believe in yourself. Uh, two, stay positive. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> or stay more positive, really. And three, continue to invest in yourself. I love I that. I yeah. love that. Now, what do you have going on today that gets you hyped to wake up every day? Are there any collaborations or projects that you're working on uh, that you want to tease our capitalizers with? Are there any new books coming out? I know you just put it two out, so that might be a little down the road. Um, are, are there anything, is there anything in your professional time horizon that you would love to share? Because the floor is yours. I am very passionate about continuing to get the comfort zone message out because this mission has really only started. This is a belief system that nearly took my life that I am very passionate about helping others learn that there is a better way. So that's number one for sure. I just want to continue to get that message out um, and get that book out. The second is we are, I did film a course a few weeks ago. This is kind of like a follow-up to the journals and it's called the negativity detox. Mm. And so our community, um, they said, Hey, we are continually struggling with negativity. We want to be more positive. We love the journals. We love the quotes, love the articles, but we're still feeling stuck. And so I really looked back at what I've done the last decade and a half. And there was a lot of detoxing in there of negativity, you know, Mm -hmm. not just in my health, but in my mind and in my emotions so that I could be a better version of myself. Because once we get that out, it's just like a detox when you're um, doing, you know, let's say a juice cleanse or something. You, You get that negativity out of there and then you can fill it with positive. But if you're constantly trying to just stuff the positive in, but you haven't got the negativity out, then you're, that's why you're still feeling stuck. And so it took me, I think the last two years to really think about how did I do this and what did I do? And then we filmed it the last two weeks. So in the next month or two, it's going to be out. Awesome. Awesome. And with that, where can capitalizers go to best support and follow you? You know, I'm always updating my Instagram, Chris. That's like probably the main thing, positive Kristen on Instagram. I'm on the other networks, but I definitely will default to Instagram usually first. Awesome, awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on Capitalize Your Finances. And for those of you that are listening at home, as always, thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions about today's episode, for you veterans out there, you know the drill, but for you newbies out there, first, welcome aboard. Second, you can hit us up by giving us a call at 253-214-3050, or you can shoot yours truly an email, chris at capitalizeyourfinances.com. If you're trying to become a guest on our lovely show, or you're thinking about people that you think would be a great guest to have on the pod head on over to capitalizepodcast.com shoot us a message we look at it every single day as always i'm your host chris ray paniochi the cap and capitalize and until next time keep capitalizing take care Christopher Paniotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. 
The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Capitalize Your Finances, a separate entity from LPL Financial. Kristen Butler and any other individual mentioned in this podcast are not affiliated with Capitalize Your Finances or LPL Financial. 